This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And welcome to another fun-packed show. If you're listening to me live, uh, as I say to each and every single one of you amazing human beings, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. And if you, I'd, do you know what? One of the things that we love doing on live shows is we love PLC. Post, like, or comment, or as like as I like to say, uh, give us a like, share, or comment on the comment section below. You can do that there. And uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, of course, you can check out the show description notes below and any relevant links based on today's conversation. So what are we going to be talking about today? So believe it or not, I brought in a guest, okay, that we've had on board. And, um, and do you know what? It's interesting. The reason I brought him, on, brought him back on is because we have very similar, um, very similar value, core values, but also we share the same um we, we share the same space as well in terms of business strategy and, 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 and growing people's businesses. But Mr. Alex Brugman, by the way, uh, who uh, is German, but based in, in Canada and stuff like that. Um, he was on the show probably about, I don't know what, I don't even remember. I think it was about 150, 175 shows ago. So we're talking, you know, even probably the best part of a year and a half to a good couple of years ago. But things have really moved on since our last conversations we're going to be catching up with alex with regards to um with regards to his new book so if you don't know who alex is just a reminder for you guys that have listened to alex before you guys that are new to listening to uh, to our show alex is a strategy facilitator he's a speaker and he's an author and he's got two brand new books that's going to be coming out here in 2023 when you listen to this of course and his first new book, which comes out at the end of March, is called The Secrets to Next Level Entrepreneurs. Uh, and also uh, towards the fall of 23, The Strategy Legacy. I love those titles. I think they're absolutely amazing. Uh, you're welcome to connect with Alex over on social media. We're going to put all these links below at the end of, at the end of today's show as well. Now, what are we going to be talking about today? So first thing we're going to be talking about is what is a next level entrepreneur and leader? I'm going to really delve in deep here, okay? And we're not going to be screaming. Uh, we're not going to be kind of like tipping the tip of the iceberg or scraping the cake. We're going to go and do a bit of a deep dive because I feel like this is this is kind of a, a, an interesting question because, again, this is one of those conversations where you could we could go different directions. But I feel like this is this is what people need right now, especially if you're going through times of adversity. What is a next level entrepreneur and leader? What are some of the habits? Some of the um, some of the traits that you need to develop to, to become one. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, how did Alex, where did it kind of like where did it the whole kind of premise of the of the new books come from? So his new publisher is Wiley, it's a very reputable publisher in the industry, of course. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the backstory of the book. We're going to talk about some of the three different themes of the book which is all based around hard skills. We're going to be talking about leadership and culture. And we're going to talk about self-care. 
that's a really big topic for especially if you're an entrepreneur and leader because it's one of those neglected areas um especially if you're running your own business self-care is is one of the ne neglected areas where if you're thinking in your mind oh, do you know what i used by the way i used to think uh, and for, for for to set the record straight i used to think the work harder that i worked the bigger the reward. Now, obviously, that's not the case, but Alex is laughing here in the background, and I'm sure that he's going to be talking about this a lot. But and 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 we're going to have a really interesting conversation about that. So, listen, you know about the store. Uh, you know about today's conversations. If, like I said, if you um, if you're listening live, use the hashtag live. Use the hashtag replay. We love engagements. We want to engage with you guys that are listening. If you have, if you don't get the opportunity to listen to our live video, you can go off. And listen to this on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, whichever you prefer. And um, uh, so, so, so that's that. And if you would love our conversations, we'd love it for you to subscribe. Take a We want you to become a regular listener. Drive feedback to us. We love to hear. We have actually have listeners in 52 different countries. We have thousands of listeners from around the world. So I'm ever so grateful for you guys that are listening in. So listen. Enough me babbling on, okay? Let's bring Alex onto the show. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me again. And by the way, Adam, um, we're not only sharing the two things that you mentioned, we are also sharing the same hairdresser by the looks of it. 100%, 100%. Anyway, for you guys that are, you've probably worked it out if you're listening on the podcast and not seeing the video, of course, but absolutely 100%. We definitely share the same hairdresser, 100%. Anyway, how are you since our last conversation? Because, I mean, it, was, it must have been a good couple of years ago, right? I think so, yeah. Probably two years. And, um, I mean, those were two really interesting years for a lot of us. Um, depending on where you live and which industry you're in, um, you felt the consequences um, of the... COVID years, more or less, um, but all of us have been through um, some really interesting ups and downs, I, I would say, over the past two years when it comes to the economy. Um, when you live in the UK, for example, um, three prime ministers in the past 12 months. So it's just a lot of things that have happened around the world, um, let alone um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the uh, everything that came afterwards in terms of how it impacted um anything from energy prices to cost of living. And we, we are all feeling um, how the world is changing right now. Absolutely. Everlasting. By the way, for full disclosure, for you guys that are listening in for the first time, this is not a politic, political show. I just wanted to share, share that with you. This is a fun show for entrepreneurs and, uh, and leaders that want to level up. So anyway, just to set the record straight. But anyway, we all know that. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because... I mean, I know that we're connected over on social media and stuff. And one thing that kind of dawned upon me, especially when we had our first conversation, and, and I think this has become ever more so now, where, you know, one thing that I picked up from you in terms of your skill is, is your kind of way that you deal with adversity and resilience because, you know, I know that you're based in Canada. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, you were very much in a different place. Whereas now, it looks like you've kind of like maybe weathered the storm a little bit. And you've kind of had some epiphanies and things like that. Do you want to just kind of share maybe what you, what, what maybe share some of that um, story with us? You're absolutely right, Adam. Um, about three years ago, 
well, actually not about exactly three years ago, um, mm. was a, a time where um, like the world turn, started to turn upside down with, with the outbreak of COVID, the first yeah. massive global outbreak. And at the same time, like a um, couple months prior to that, um, I was going through a very difficult time, emotionally speaking. Mm. The reason was I had just built or founded my new business at the same time where my girlfriend was going through a very difficult last trimester of her pregnancy. Um, right. Then in January, uh, my my son was born two weeks after my own father died. And oh, okay. all these things happened basically within a period of five, six months. And then COVID yeah. hit. And mm -hmm. um, that was not just COVID that hit. COVID hit us in a, at a time, at a point in time where we were preparing our transition from Germany to Canada. So our move was planned for um, later in April. And then we were sitting um, on our kitchen table at the beginning of March, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And um, yeah, so we threw all those plans overboard and that supposedly perfectly planned move went down <laughs> the drain and we had to decide within days what we're going to do because airlines were just mm. they were not flying anymore so right. nine days later we hopped on the last flight from um, germany to canada and i immigrated so i'm a permanent resident my girlfriend is a citizen but mm. um, you know that's the reason why we had to pull it forward we the option was wait it out or go now and wait it out was kind of very uncertain because no one knew is this going to take two months two years a decade mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, when you are granted permanent residency in Canada, you have 12 months to immigrate from the time you have the uh, the permission to immigrate. Right. And yeah, so we had to take a decision. That's what we did. And of course, you can imagine how it feels to move under lockdown conditions into a foreign country mm -hmm. with a newborn child um, <laughs> without the opportunity or, or possibilities to rela relate uh, to rely on family um, and you just sit in your apartment day in and day out and hope that things get better and it was mentally a really tough spot mm. but on the upside that gave me the opportunity to pour some of my ideas into book forms and that's where mm. the the books originated basically um, it took a couple years to actually write them and, and then to publish them but this difficult time, emotionally speaking, difficult time, was um, the birth, the time where, where these books were were birthed, basically. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it, I mean, this is, I suppose, this is kind of where we share the same kind of similar story, emigrate into a different country. But yeah, I, there's a lot of what I call life stories, well, not life, life story, life experiences, which you went through. The, you know, your dad passing away to be newborn baby and then remembering you know it's kind of like the the, the the icing on the cake and then you've got coke on top of that it's just, there's a lot to deal with do you know what i mean as a like emotionally and mentally that really kind of uh, what did you um i know uh, i know you were talking about the birthing of, of the books and stuff like that but in terms of like obviously that i know that you were kind of going through those tough times but from from an emotional mental perspective where did the whole kind of like ideology of writing those books come because you know I, I don't know about you but 
when you've gone through or going through stressful times, sometimes it's very difficult to get any clarity. Sometimes it can create brain fog uh, or sometimes it can, I guess, maybe in your case, can create new ideas about, okay, well, this isn't a great place to be. Like, what do I do to other things? Like, how, like, which, how did you feel in that situation? Where did the kind of flourishing come from? The answer is yes, all of these. <laughs> it's, it's, it was exactly how I described. Um, so the idea for the strategy legacy came before we actually moved. The idea of for the strategy legacy was born in the time when I decided to move to Canada. And I felt strangely guilty of leaving my clients behind in Europe while I was moving closer to those in North America at the same time, but there was still this feeling. And a friend said something like, you know what, get over it, um, hand them a, a really nice farewell present, but you need to move on. And that, that idea of, of a farewell present kind of turned into, okay, the most helpful farewell present would probably be to write down what we did together so that they can replicate it without me in the future. And that actually became the basis, the fundament for the strategy legacy. Now, that that was just a pamphlet of like 20 pages back then. So we moved to Canada. I parked it. I took it out of my pocket again. And then kind of um, I drove to Whistler, um, which is about two hours from where I live. And I, okay. I, I just locked myself into a hotel room. And in the summer of 2020, like Whistler was a ghost town, empty. So I had complete <laughs> silence and, and, and peace to, to start writing, which wasn't possible at home because, you know, um, six-month-old baby. And so I started writing and, and rewriting and rewriting, and the book started to develop and develop. The interesting piece is that, and that comes back to the brain fog that you mentioned, the interesting piece is only very few pages that I wrote in those 10 days actually survived. Um, oh. It was, I needed to start writing. I needed to get it out of my brain. And I think this is, this is what uh, this distinguishes a good book from a really good book that you allow yourself to edit and edit and re-edit with professional help. I'm not an editor. I'm a writer. So uh, the editor helped me to um, distill the essence out of a lot of pages and, in the end, what you then do is you remove everything that is sort of a result of brain fog, but brain fog shouldn't stop you from writing. It shouldn't stop you from just making the next step, even if it's a difficult step. And even if you know that this might not be your best work, it still brings you closer to your best work. So I think that's what that was the key learning for me, which I then used when, when, when I started to write um, Next Level Entrepreneurs. And these are very, very different books from a conceptual perspective, but also from a content perspective. And um, I'm, I'm really happy that I had this experience going through such a difficult time, writing, experiencing the quality of my own writing during that time, and then being able to use it as a jump off point to distill it and create something better out of it. Interesting. I like that. That's very, very interesting. You know, I guess in times of uh, resiliency or testing or, you know, sometimes it can either make us or break us, right? You, you probably heard that saying before, but I guess for you, um, it you know, you, you've learned a lot of lessons 
more than anything else, I guess, isn't sure. it? During those testing times and whatever it might be. So, um, and, and thank you so much, by the way, for sharing that. I, I know sometimes that can create maybe sort of, um, uh, I suppose, memories that maybe you want to forget <laughs> in a way, but then in other ways, I suppose, you can kind of make it a blessing. What, what would you say out of the lessons from the last few years that you've taken, what would you say are the ones that you would, that are, are, are more blessings rather than kind of ones which you prefer to chuck in the trash? This is a really good question. And I actually, I was asked a similar question by a friend um, about a year ago. And mm. that conversation turned into what is the 11th chapter in the next level <laughs> entrepreneurs book, because I really didn't realize um, what let's say the blessings were, I, 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 it just didn't come to me. I had to reflect with the help of a friend. And we realized that I sort of approached this difficult time subconsciously with completely different mindsets than my default mindsets. So I kind of you know that people often in stressful times, they, they fall back on, on their default modes. And for me, it was the exact opposite. I realized that the default modes wouldn't help me. So I'll give you an example. Mm. I am typically a person that deals with my emotions on the inside. I'm not carrying my emotions like on, on, on the sleeve. And, and mm. especially when it comes to really like, deeper emotions like um, grief and, and these emotions. And sure. it was basically impossible for me to, to work through the feelings that came with the loss of my father and my first child being born two weeks apart. That was just wow. too extreme. There was, um, my father and I, we had a very special bond and losing that was just devastating. And at the same time, I was overwhelmed with joy from becoming a first-time dad. And mm. I mean, if you are like, like me and you typically deal with your emotions on the inside and you make sense of it on the inside and with yourself, it can be very daunting when you realize that you, you just don't, you, you, you won't make it. It's, it's too difficult. Mm. Mm. And rather than shutting down emotionally or trying to suppress these emotions, the first time ever I reached out and asked for help with these emotions. And that might sound like a duh for many out there, like therapists, psychiatrists, coaches, mentors are here to help. Mm. But for me, this was a first. And I was very proud of myself, actually, that I, that I did that. And this, this mindset of, of abundance, that there is something out there that I can use, I just have to find it, kept me above water and with the help of a, of a therapist, I could make sense out of these emotion, emotions in a way that allowed me to move forward, not to like turn in circles and turn in circles and turn in circles. And that was something that I, that I realized, and, and this is just one example, um, th there were some other mindset shifts at play that I only realized um, in retrospect um, that helped me get through these times. And I strongly encourage I'm a very facts-oriented person. I never thought that mindset shifts could make such a huge difference. <laughs> but now that I've been through it, I'm like, okay, this definitely has a space in, in a business book. 
and that that's why I wrote that chapter around it. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting because um, you know that you're talking about two very extreme feelings, where the feeling of grief and the feeling of joy, and being able to manage polar opposites because they are polar opposites in terms of a good feeling and a bad or you know a bad feeling and such how did that um fr from you know how did that kind of coincide with dealing with you how you were emotionally what did the did the ideology of writing the book of next level did that come later after or what or was that during the process of going through those you know dealing with those emotions it came afterwards um the the idea of the book um came approximately a year later when i um i was i was juggling a few ideas on how to grow into this new market when you move mm. from one continent to the next all of a sudden there's a whole new market that you can grow your business <laughs> in and um the idea was hey I want to bring people together that I know. I want to mm. bring them together into um, a virtual summit. Back then, in person wasn't per wasn't possible. So um, there was this three-day business summit that I organized um, where I brought some really bright minds together. And I enjoyed these conversations so much that I realized afterwards that there was... If, if I pieced some of them together, there is a red, th a red thread that binds them into a cohesive story and i didn't see it back then uh, at that point in time it was not the intention to to write a book um there, there was the idea yes to distill a book out of that event mm -hmm. but you never know until you know and um once all these recordings were done and we had the sessions and and, and then i read the, i read the, the i read the transcripts i realized that some of these hold so much gold that I wanted to package them into a different format. And that's where the book came from. Love it. Love it. Love it. For you guys that are listening in, by the way, um, do us a favor. If you, if you are listening to us, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. And if you have any questions for Alex, by the way, feel free to put them into the, uh, into the comments section. And we're also uh, streaming through YouTube and on LinkedIn as well. And uh, make sure that also, if you are enjoying our conversations, hit the bell notification on the top right-hand cor uh, corner of, uh, of, the, of your screen and stuff like that. So um, it's really interesting. So I want to kind of like, um, what I was going to say, I'd like to really kind of get a distinguishing because there's lots of different types of books, you know, especially when it comes to entrepreneurial books, um, with a kind of like, I wouldn't call it a similar topic, but I suppose it a similar similar kind of um, uh, way in which there's lots of different books for entrepreneurs and for leaders. Let's distinguish. Let's get some some clarity around what you, from your perspective, based on your life experiences and also the premise of the book. Like from your perspective, what is a next level entrepreneur to you and a leader? What what distinguishes them between an ordinary person? and a next level one? The biggest difference between, as you said, the ordinary entrepreneur and leader and the next level is for me a combination of a few characteristics. And the, the first one is the absolute focus on your intention. Why mm. am I doing this? 
why, why am I an entrepreneur? Why am I a corporate leader? Why, why am I leading people? Mm. Um, would I follow myself? If, if I took everything away from you, like bonuses and, and salaries and, and nice shiny offices that you could hand out as perks, would anyone still want to follow you? So asking and answering these questions and being fully intentional about why you do what you do, I think this is the first element. The second element is this book does not celebrate entrepreneurship. It does not glorify entrepreneurship and it doesn't promote the hustle culture. It is a book that goes way beyond that, way beyond the topic of making money. And um, like a lot of these entrepreneurial books, they, they are really centered around the few really ultra successful. A book that brings Elon Musk or Richard Branson as examples for entrepreneurs misses the point completely. This yep. is like a, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of entrepreneurs will ever reach that level. And for me, this is not even a goal um, and, and, and not a reason you should become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So understanding that building successful businesses is, is not around making money, but around adding value to society, to the planet, to people in general, this is something that distinguishes next level entrepreneurs from, let's say, the more hustle culture entrepreneurs, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know what? It's interesting because, uh, uh, well, I, I, this is, I suppose you, we could talk about this because I don't know about you, but the whole kind of, I, I feel like the whole kind of hustle culture of entrepreneurship has kind of faded away. And I feel like, especially over the last sort of couple of two to three years, and people have had time to, you know, reflect on their own kind of self-awareness, you know, um, what strengths and weaknesses about themselves but i feel like a, a lot of people kind of come back to yeah they're, they're always going to be the sleazy salesperson out there there's always going to be do you know what i mean they're they're always going to be out there but i feel like the authenticity and being integrity led is a bit more kind of in tune with today's world what's your, what's your take on that i wish i could mirror that to be honest, <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I don't see it. I don't see it. You don't it see it. Okay, fair enough. I see, I, and it, it heavily depends on where you look. Um, yeah. I think in, in the more traditional European countries, that is certainly true. Um, I see okay. a lot, like over the last decade already, a lot of larger companies investing into their leadership to raise it to the next level. Um, whereas here in North America, um, there is a very predominant culture around hustling still existing. It's like chasing the dream, chasing the money. Um, it's, it's people generally, when they go into business, at least that's my experience, they don't ask themselves too deep of a question whether they should do that or not they just see an opportunity and grab it and it's often centered around making money now that is not a bad thing at all i'm not judging i'm just observing and mm -hmm. i see that a few years in many of these entrepreneurs realize that they don't enjoy what they do and that's yeah. when they start to roll back and when they start to rethink what it really is that they want to do and then you know 
they realize what the impact is that they can have and they rebuild how they approach business. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I suppose because you're based in North America now and obviously, you know, you're theoretically a European that's moved to North America fairly recently. And and I believe, and I I can't remember where I, I saw this, but it's the Chinese and the Americans are the hardest working workforces of of the planet if you like um so i I guess that's kind of where the whole kind of hustle culture has come from because it depends on you know if if you look at somewhere like scandinavia for example they value the whole kind of diversity work-life balance but americans and people in north america kind of laugh at that type of premise because it's not something that the you know know what i mean You, you know i mean like different cultures different uh it depends on where you are in the world i suppose is going to have a different direct um answer to that i suppose in a way i agree when you take a look around um european countries the whole um the whole question of how much do you actually work like mm. in france they are currently heavily debating whether they should raise the retirement age to um, I think it's 65 or 63, something that is so ridiculously low that you should ask yourself, why is this economy not collapsing already? <laughs> and um, in, we're talking about 35-hour weeks, four-day four work weeks, all these things. And that's all fine as long as your economic and social fabric supports it. Yeah. The U.S., for example, is built on an entirely different promise it's not so much about um, paying into social security um, and then enjoying the fruits of your labor later. It's way more entrepreneurial also for regular employees. How much you're responsible for your own well-being, it has a totally different meaning in, in the US than it has in Europe. And I, and I don't think that many people are aware of these massive differences, especially not in the workforce. When, you, when I work with international businesses, it's often really revealing when you have people from Asia, from Europe, and from the US, for example, in one room, when they form one leadership team, how extremely different these people approach, um, for example, the topic of vacation time, um, the topic <laughs> of downtime in general. And it's I, I'm not judging, I'm not condemning, I'm just observing and seeing what these different habits lead to. And when it comes to leadership and entrepreneurship and just the corporate world in general, I just see how detrimental to your health, both physical and mental um, health, this can be if you are not able to create strong boundaries and protect yourself. And I think this is as such a flawed concept because Work is part of life. The problem is when it becomes such a big part of your life that it just suffocates everything else. And then you start to protect your personal life in a way that um, you you don't want your work life to intrude into that personal space um, too much. And and that's when you lose balance. That's when you um, see the two against each other and you try to chase something elusive like work-life balance that whole term is just nonsense because it just <laughs> all of a sudden it's a term that you shouldn't use and i think it's it, it it just shows that if we understand work as something that is opposed to life we try to balance them 
we try to protect them from each other in a certain way, which just doesn't work. We bring ourselves, our full selves, our full personality to work and we take everything from work back to where we live, to our families. So rather than trying to create something as like work-life balance, we should, we should better understand what really matters to us, what we let into our lives, what we allow into our lives and create life balance as a whole where work plays a certain role or not, depending on your personal preference. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I know that uh, we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of our interview, but I know that there are three themes around the book. And I'd love to, again, get your, your feedback on this because you've written the three themes are hard skills, which is um, maybe you could give us a little bit more um, elaboration around that, leadership and culture and self-care. Tell us about the reasons why you feel those three topics were very much in tune with the book that you wrote, you know, and, and what, what's the reader likely to get out of those three particular topics? Why do you think they're so important? I've been working as a strategy facilitator, as a, as a leadership trainer and executive coach for the better part of two decades now. And it it doesn't matter where I work, in which country, on which continent, the leaders I work with, business leaders I work with, all of them struggle with at least one of these themes. Mm. And when it comes to hard skills, what I mean is at some point in your career, either an entrepreneur or as a corporate leader, you realize that there are skills that you should have that you do not. And they prevent you from getting a seat at the next table. And examples for include... How does the whole topic of sustainability impact our business? How do you actually create a thorough business strategy? I'm not talking about a marketing strategy or an HR strategy. I'm talking about the overarching concept of a business strategy. We grow within our subject matter expertise most of the time. So at some point, we have to look left and right. Otherwise, we are not able to contribute to leading a business in a, in a broader sense. Mm -hmm. And also the topic of... Um, of pricing. A lot of businesses that I work with struggle with strategic pricing. So that's why I brought these three themes into the book and invited some of the brightest contributors um, to, to write these chapters. So for example, the topic on strategic pricing was contributed by Professor Dr. Herman Simon, the founder of Simon Kutcher and Partner, the leading um, global consultancy in that space. Mm. So it's really interesting to read these chapters. You can read the whole book cover to cover if you want, but you can also just go back to each individual chapter, read it as you feel you need it. For example, in the, in the second theme, when we talk about leadership and culture, we just offer different perspectives on how you can lead yourself and your team through challenging times. What disruption means? How do you, how do you use it? to um, create impactful work cultures that are um, able to innovate even in, in these difficult times. So the whole topic of leadership and, and impact culture plays a, a significant role in chapter two, in theme two. And theme three, as you said, Adam, is all around self-care. And there we talk about creating life balance, um, embracing these mindset shifts that, that we talked about earlier. And, and just realizing who you are as a full person as a starting point for creating the life that you want. 
And I feel that, especially when it comes to corporate leaders, when it comes to entrepreneurs, we often sacrifice so much of who we are in the process of chasing something that we feel we want. Mm -hmm. And at the meantime, cause so much collateral damage for others, but also for ourselves. And this often happens, especially when I talk to men in their late 50s who realize that retirement is coming closer, that they don't have a, a, a tight-knit circle of friends, that they neglected their hobbies over the past two decades. They don't even know how to hold a golf club anymore. And they <laughs> love playing golf or whichever other sport you want to use as an example. Mm. And I think these topics are, are so key. Just because you lead a business doesn't mean you have to neglect yourself. But still, mm. a lot of us do. And I'm pointing the finger to my own nose here because I've been guilty of these behaviors as well. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because what you're sharing is effectively something that you've experienced yourself and gone through yourself, whole life experience, but also you've showcased um, different perspectives from expertise ex expert in that given area of field. Is that right? Correct. Love that. Love that, love that. Well, listen, I know that we're kind of pretty much out of time. And this has been such a great, I, I, I suppose, call it a catch-up show more than anything else. And what I'm loving about this conversation is that, you know, since our last conversation, which was, I don't know, 150, 175 episodes, I can really see that from my own perspective, from the outside, you know, telling you as a friend, of course, I can really see that you've really grown a lot like and, and I'm not just talking like technically knowledgeable wise but also emotionally intelligent wise and self-awareness wise and you know you, you've turned in you've really grown what I'm trying to say to you and you, you're really thank you Adam I appreciate that if you like so you know so I just wanted to kind of say that by the way so as, as a great summary to summarize today's conversation so I just want to say that I appreciate that thank you Adam you're welcome well, listen, guys, I um, hope you've enjoyed today's conversations with me and Alex. If you want to, um, if you'd like to uh, learn more about Alex's book, which is going to be coming out very, very soon, please check out the link below, pre-order your copies below, depending on when you list this, of course. And again, whenever you're listening to this, we also, Alex has been very kind uh, to offer his first free chapter for free. If you want to check that out, you, the link is below the in the in the notes, if you listen to this on the podcast, of course. Feel free to connect with Alex over on social media, of course, LinkedIn, YouTube, that kind of stuff. Feel free to. And also, if you have any questions for him, mention the podcast, of course, because then you can kind of put them two together. So uh, for me and Alex, I just want to say thanks very much, guys. Alex, I just want to say thank you so much for being on today's show. Thank you for having me again. It's been a real pleasure talking to you again. Likewise. Listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show. Please do me a favor. Please write a one or a five star review over on Spotify, over on Apple. Hopefully you'll come back for another great show on the Game Changers experience. Take care. And from me and Alex, see you soon. Cheers, everyone.